Please note, every episode is someone's individual experience. One data point is not representative of everyone's time in the Air Force. Do your due diligence. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or its components. Welcome to another episode of the AFSC series, a part of the For the Zoomies podcast, and I'm your host, Andrew Cormier. Today's guest is a 2018 Air Force Academy graduate who went on to become a public affairs officer. His first major assignment was to travel with the F-22 demo team to be the lead of their media coverage. During this assignment, he honed his videography skills and started creating content on YouTube to help people learn about the Air Force Academy and the U.S. military's capabilities. He recently separated and is creating high-quality content full-time now. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Ekholm. Andrew, thanks so much for having me. Hopefully, uh, GR season hasn't kicked in too much. Uh, morale's <laughs> high, but um, happy to be here. Love what you're doing and excited to chat. Thanks for coming on, sir. Yeah, uh, GR season has been in full effect. Monday and Tuesday, back-to-back. Oh my gosh. And Don't I miss ha- those days. <laughs> I hear a whole bunch of stories. Like my roommate, he had a common GR Monday. I was like, thank God we have math. So I'm like kind of already waking up early. But uh, his poor soul had to go and do Astro at 630 in the morning. So I don't I don't envy him at all. Dude, there's some things I miss about the Academy. That's not one of them. Um, but yeah, feel for you guys. You'll make it through. <laughs> we appreciate the positive energy, Sam. So you have undoubtedly brought many of the younger younger generations of the Academy, you know, probably the 2021, 20, 22, all the way up through class of 2027 now um, to the Academy through your YouTube presence. Um, but to get to your your story, what brought you to the Academy? Yeah, man. So it kind of really goes back. Like, I wouldn't say I was the kid who always knew I wanted to go to the Academy, Um now, I, I did kind of come from a military family, and I, I say that like I wasn't a military brat. Like um, m- My dad retired or I guess separated from the Air Force. Um, when I was really young, he did kind of 10 years flying. He was a KC-135 pilot, and he did go to the Air Force Academy. And I think for a while, I just thought I didn't want to have any part of that life. I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. And then somewhere along the way, kind of I think I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, probably like many cadets, we start thinking, okay, what do I want to do? And everywhere I looked, every college I looked into and searched, all my friends chatting with each other, like I kept going back to the academy. I just wanted to do something different. And I just thought, man, all these stories my dad told of jumping out of airplanes, flying gliders, survival training, just sounded crazy to me. So no matter what I did to try to like pursue a different path, I kept coming back to the Air Force Academy. So yeah, when sophomore year rolled around in high school, I was like, man, I'm doing it. I'm going all in. I'm going to follow in the old man's footsteps um, and I'm going to come here. So I worked so hard, just like we all did to get into the academy. And um, I just remember getting there on day one, I guess zero, day zero, I day right. And dude, I had like the toughest footprints experience ever. And I tell this story because like when I got there, you know, they're all yelling at you, whatever. But for some reason, like I got shuffled to the back of the line. And so while all the rest of my class is moving on to the next station on I-Day, I had to do the footprints again, which I've heard a couple (laughs) people that that happens a couple of times. You know, you get sent to the back line. You got to do it again. But the thing is, Andrew, I had to do it a third time also because they kept forgetting where I was. I was in like this dead zone where they thought I was supposed to be going on, but they didn't know. So I had like 
three footprints experiences on the first day, then for the entire rest of I day, I am literally so far behind my basic squadron. They're like lost, like they're like looking for basic at home for the entire day. And so from day zero, dude, I just, the cadre were out to get me. And uh, I say that because it was definitely a welcome shock, like it is for everyone. But uh, dude, I'm so glad I made the decision to come. I know as current cadets, a lot of you guys are like, man, counting down those days till graduation. But um, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. Does that mean that you had to go on the, the bus three separate times as well, or how did that work? So, luckily not. What I'm saying is I got to watch three buses pull up, get off, while I just stayed on the footprints each time. So, <laughs> they kind of, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to let like the bad cadets uh, basics kind of stay to redo it. Um, okay. And I just, I, so I, I guess I was bad three times in a row. So, my introduction to the academy was stressful. And um, yeah, it's just funny that I'm, I'm just glad I made it through. And I look back at that like, oh, man. Yeah, no, it's definitely different being on the other side of um, sophomore year now. Um, I don't know if you felt similarly, <laughs> but um, there there seems to be this sort of hump here. And I'm yeah. sure it's it's probably similar in high school and every other college where, I mean, you feel more junior but it's mm. just so emphasized by the the dynamic between upper and lower classmen that now that I'm a I'm a junior and I went through basic on the other side of it as well you do kind of feel like you know this place um <laughs> I remember when they were describing shoulder boards during basic <laughs> and how it was like ground cloud horizon and the duallys only have the clouds because their heads are in the clouds yeah, and funny. then you get the ground cuz you finally get grounded and then the horizon, because you're finally looking at graduation upon the horizon. I was like, when I when I first heard my college, I'm like, that's a bunch of bullshit. Like, I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> now that I'm like a few years into this, I'm like, holy crap. I don't even know what I'm doing now. Yeah, that <laughs> reminds me of one, right. one of the stories my dad told us. When he was going through basic training at the academy back in the 80s, they called basics maggots. I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> But the reason they were called maggots is because I guess a maggot is the lowest form of life on earth that still has the ability to like live on their own. And so that's what they like called basics was like a maggot. So I remember he wrote to me and he was like, hey, at least they're not calling you a maggot, Sam, which is super funny. That's yeah, funny. And, and you guys now you move squadrons after freshman year, right? So it's one and yeah. three now. Is that how one they're doing system. it? Yeah, yeah, for us, it was two and two. How are you liking the one three? Because to me, I... That would have been nice because you kind of escape all the the stereotypes you had from being a basic and like you can start fresh versus like, you know, the upperclassmen still knowing you from all the <laughs> stupid stuff you did, man. I couldn't escape. It. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was pretty cool. Um, I kind of missed my baby squad actually a couple weeks ago. Say, tough to leave those guys. Yeah. Yeah, we uh we went to dinner out in Monument and, uh, you know, told old stories, but like caught yeah. up again. And it's so it's so cool to be able to like be out of that duly mind frame and still True. like hanging yeah. out with, with them the same because crew. yeah pros and cons it, to both yeah <laughs> before every like the topic of all of our discussion would be like dumb stuff that we had to do for squadron or k-tests or all True. this stupid stuff but now we can actually like talk <laughs> like human beings and Neck normal oh, you people. Went camping that's cool <laughs> yeah gotcha yeah. man so um you you were brought to your to the academy by uh your or at least inspired by your father yes we'll get into this a little bit later but you dropped the academy blueprint um that's a <laughs> program that you'll help uh basically you help cadets hopefully get into the academy 
Did your act, your dad act as uh, some sort of academy blueprint for you? Did he help you with your aca- uh, academy application process? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, he definitely helped me, of course. I would say it was less of the application help, but more of just helping make my decision about whether or not I wanted to even go. Um, and yeah, man, so we, we can get into it a little bit later, but through everything I've built and the audience I've had, I get hundreds and hundreds of questions every single week from high school kids out there who want to go to the academy. And just because kind of the audiences I've built, like they kind of see me as that like recruiter, that person they can ask the questions to. Mm. And I like literally have times like set on each week where I'll just sit on my phone and just go through all of those questions. But if I were to like answer all of them, I would be on my phone like 24 yeah. seven. Um, and so the blueprint was a way to kind of give back, right. To, to have something which, you know, spent, I took, two years on to, to build and put out there. And I'm super proud of it. Um, but one of the things I noticed with all these questions is a lot of people don't have a family member that went to the academy or served in the military. And if that's the case, it is a very daunting, not only application, mm-hmm. but a decision to make. And so above everything else, and that's kind of what inspired me to even start making these videos is like, I wanted to level the playing field for everyone out there. Like they can at least look at my content or hit me up on social media or, you know, enroll in the blueprint and just see, like have that person, that advice of who attended, who served in the military and who can really answer those questions. So, um, my, my dad was a big, you know, support factor for me, of course, hundred percent. And then hopefully I can help be that or spread the news or inspire some other people along the way who, who didn't have that. Yeah, no, I can I can tell you from experience because I didn't even know that the academy existed, let alone <laughs> knew anyone in the military. It's a shame, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, I mean, I didn't know what the hell Dodd Merb was. I didn't know what all these things were. I was just kind of figuring out as I went. And um, so, like, on behalf of everyone that'll <laughs> apply in the future, thank you because what I would have done to pay like a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> Just to make sure like either, I don't mean, I don't know exactly what the blueprint offers. I haven't looked extremely into detail, but if I would have had someone to, I don't know, make sure that my essay was in the right format or like look for what these uh, um, admissions boards are really looking for, that would have probably got me in the first time. I don't know. I didn't get in my first try. It's funny you mention it because when I was building the course, which took me over two years, man, I mean, I had to, it was like, you know, I thought I'd never actually have to apply again. Cause I got in and went to the Academy, but I essentially had to reapply, like relearn everything and do extensive research and interviews and talk to people and just compile everything you need to know about, you know, the application, but also like kind of help answer what's life actually like when you get in, like when you're a cadet, like to make the decision about applying, you kind of need to know, okay, what am I going to be expected to do? So it was super fun coming to the Academy to like film a YouTube video on the tour of the campus. Um, working with AOG on it as well and just really put something out that's been awesome. And the feedback's been incredible from, from grads sharing it from, from parents, from cadets who are like, dude, Sam, I'm so excited. Like stuff like that. It's been fun, man. It's, it was the biggest project I've ever taken on, um, both personally, the investment of everything I threw into that. And it's, uh, so excited to have it out there. So thanks for asking though, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so to get to the, the meat and potatoes of this episode, yeah. Um, out of the academy, uh, we can talk a little bit about your situation with pilot training, but you became a PA officer. Um, what was your experience right out of the academy? Yeah. So just to go back a little bit, I, I always thought I would be a pilot. I, I think a vast majority of cadets probably share that sent- sentiment. Um, I fell into the category of kind of finding out once I was at the academy that I wasn't going to be pilot qualified. I had like some color deficiency 
maybe waverable, but you know, it had taken a long process and I didn't want to be, you know, a few weeks from graduation, not knowing what I was going to do. So yeah, that happened around, I guess my sophomore year. Right. So it was a three to get the Academy. So I started thinking of like, Hey, what career field am I going to be happy with? Which at that point it was kind of tough because you think you're going to be doing something. It's part of the reason you go to the Academy is to fly or do whatever. And then you kind of get hit with like, Hey, you got to do something else. Um, I'm sure cadets have been told this advice before, but there's kind of one of two routes you can take. You can take route one, which is you're super bitter and cynical and you're like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to be here and I'm going to just do this and then move on with my life. Or two, you can actually try to find something that's like actually going to be interesting. And mm-hmm. so that was me. And I remember I went to Travis Air Force Base for Ops Air Force um, and you know, you shadow a bunch of different career fields. I know you just went and finished your ops, Andrew. So one of my like things I signed up for was public affairs. And dude, I had no idea. Like, I think the only thing about PA I knew is like from our squadron PA roles you have like in squadron. <laughs> I think I was like, like one of my friends was like the PA and COIC, but they, you know, didn't really do anything actual PA, of course. So. Yeah. They like um, take pictures of training y- sessions and yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so you think you're right. Exactly. So, um, the reason it's kind of interested to me is even when I was in high school, like I loved kind of, uh, you know, editing videos. Like I had a camera in high school, I'd film different stuff at the Academy. I kind of put that to the side, but, um, I'll get back to that in a little bit. Cause, um, I did have the opportunity. Like I started a photography class that was at the Academy. I don't know if they're still doing it, but there were some opportunities later huh. on, but dude, so at ops air force, I went out to Travis and for the week I was with PA, I, it was crazy, man. So they had the San Francisco 49ers came to the base to do a base <laughs> visit. Um, and so the cool thing about public affairs is like anything cool that's happening on base, like PA is there documenting yeah. it or helping run the media. Uh, I got to interview the wing commander for like an article in the base paper. Like if you walk in the public affairs shop at Travis, it looks like like a newsroom. There's like iMac, Apple computers everywhere, like camera gear. I was like, yo, I didn't know this existed in the military. It's a lot different than like, you know, being an Intel officer or finance officer or something like that, which still important by the way, but just not what I was looking for. So right then and there, I was like, dude, this is the career field for me. If I'm ever going to do anything like this is it. Um, and so at that point I started to shift my focus to how do I actually get this? Because, Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, and I think it still holds true to this day, there are very few public affairs slots out of the Academy. I think they shut it down for a little bit too, because they're focusing more on kind of the rated career fields and the mission, you know, focused career fields. Um, but I knew that, Hey, I needed to have a high class ranking and I needed to kind of do a little bit of networking, talking to Yusafa PA, you know, finding out what I needed to make happen. I don't fully know how it all ha- came together, but I will tell you, I spent a lot of days up there at the Yusafa PA office, introducing myself, trying to <laughs> bump shoulders with some people who can make decisions and it, and it ended up happening, man. So yeah, went out to my first base, Langley Air Force Base. And, um, I guess kind of the rest is history, which I can go into. Let me know. But yeah, it happened quick. And it was, I think, just where I was meant to be. No, that's that's a cool story of it. Because I think uh, I got a couple of buddies who like kind of look down upon the whole like bumping shoulders with people that like make decisions. But I think it's part of the game of, hey, like how are you going to best increase your own chances of you could get put in something that you don't want for five plus years. You should do everything in your power. I mean, it's not everyone has the same opportunity to do it. I'm just you're the only one who had the balls to do it. Yeah. So I, who knows? Yeah. Who knows if that actually did anything? Yeah, um, yeah. I will say, though, what it helped with. And this is why I think everyone should at least, you know, do it. It's like it helped me learn more about the career field, like from, from mm-hmm. being mentored by the Yusafa PA director at the time. Like I learned what I could expect and I kind of cemented the decision that, hey, public affairs is what I wanted to do. Um 
And yeah, I mean, I was fired up about it, man. Like I was so excited to do it. And I, I just wish the Air Force, you know, because they don't like formal interview you for your career fields. They kind of just look at your name and a sheet of paper and kind of make a decision. So I don't know, man, but I'm glad it worked out. And I kind of a believer that things will work out. Even a couple of my buddies of mine who like didn't get the career field they wanted. Um, sometimes they go and they realize it's actually something super exciting and they love it. Or two, they've mm-hmm. cross-trained. One of my best friends at the Academy um, did a year in her career field and then cross-trained into something else and, and you know made it happen. So there's definitely ways to make any job or anything you do exciting in the, in the big Air Force. Yeah. So you mentioned um, the cool all the cool gear that you saw when you went to Travis and that sort of thing. Um, did you have any knowledge of what the mission of the, of PA would be before you went, or was that something that you learned like there and you were like, okay, this aligns with what I thought it would be. Yes and no. So I, I don't really, I didn't really know the mission at all. And I kind of did get a little bit of a false idea of what it was. Cause here's the thing that's hard. Like as officers, you know, Obviously, we get paid more like we have a college degree, so you get good to the academy. But a lot of the times the really exciting jobs besides pilot are on like the enlisted side. So what I mean by Mm -hmm. that is like the enlisted PA, you know, airmen, they're the ones that are actually trained on doing photography and video and social media. The officers don't really do that. You don't get any training for that. You are not expected to do that. Your job as an officer is more of the strategic level, working with the commander, advising them on messages and talking points, working with the media, um, and kind of supervising those airmen who do the hands-on stuff. So I realized really quickly that I actually would have much rather, you know, been kind of in the weeds doing the photo and video. Um, but also obviously the, you know, the government invested money on me to be a leader. So I I knew I could have offer a lot kind of in that role as well, which kind of brings me to the first thing that kind of happened in my career, which was the F-22 demo team. Um, it was my first day at Langley. So like 60 days ended, (laughs) <laughs> we reported into Langley Air Force Base, which is on the east coast of Virginia. We were doing unit PT. Um, so like it was like six in the morning. We were out there running around the, the track, which is really pretty at Langley. It like goes across the entire, it goes across the water and goes across the entire airfield. And dude, out of nowhere, an F-22 like takes off. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like it's going to take off and go on its mission. But then it like starts pulling vertical, pulling G's, like doing all these tack pitches, maneuvers. And my ears are like exploding and I'm like, what is going on? And my boss at the time told me, oh yeah, Sam, that's the F-22 demo team. And I'm, I'm like, the F-22, what? Like, I didn't even know they really existed. And they're like, yeah, they travel around the world putting on air shows. Um, and actually, Sam, we've got one of our airmen from the office assigned to the F-22 demo team to travel with them and do all their photography, video, and social media. They were also looking for an officer to kind of help fill that role as well because they get high-level media exposure. And right then and there, Andrew, I was like, I'm going to find a way to do this job. It was too cool. It was like destined to where I wanted to be. Um, So I I think you kind of know where where it went from there. But yeah, man, that's how it all happened. And I was inspired to to join that team and got lucky that my first base was where that team was based. Yeah. So how did you get to fill? uh, (laughs) Like, obviously you said... There was an enlisted person and they would need some help, but were you the only one available and therefore, hey, we need to get this done. It doesn't matter who fills this role. Kind of. So um, obviously you're you're familiar with the Air Force Thunderbirds. You know, they do the flyover graduation graduation flyover every year. So to put it in perspective, um, the Thunderbirds have a PA officer, Thunderbird number 12, and then they have a team of like 
eight, 10, sometimes 12 airmen underneath them that do all the video coverage and who help support the mission. Now, of course, the Thunderbirds are the Air Force's premier aerial demonstration team. Like, they're huge. But the F-22 demo team, it's it's under there, but it ain't too far under there. Like, they're a big team. Like, people want to see them. It's an awesome aircraft. And they have one billet for public affairs to do the <laughs> role almost the same as what the Thunderbirds are having to do. Yes, a little less. We're not the Thunderbirds. So the thing was, is like, yes, they needed someone who could do the photography and video work because if you could only have one thing done, like you need to have social media posts and you need to tell the story. Mm. So because they only had one billet, every year they had just chosen an enlisted person because they need those skills and officers don't have those skills, right? So when I got to the team, yes, you're correct. At the time, you were TDY over 300 days a year. So people who had families, like it was really tough for them. So no one in the office was kind of raising their hand to take the job. You know what I mean? So it was kind of vacant and they were looking for someone to fill it. So then when I came in and had the opportunity to kind of throw my name in the hat, I had support from my leadership because I actually had the video and photo experience. Like, dude, back at the time I had made a couple of vlogs. I filmed the video over 60 days. I had taken (laughs) photography pretty serious. Like I said, I actually helped start a photography class at the Academy with my, uh, one of my physics instructors, which was crazy. And so I actually had like a little portfolio. So I'm like, Hey, like, I'm single. I can travel. I can do this. Also, like I know my way around a camera and also I am an officer. Like I am trained on kind of the higher level media stuff. Like I think I can do this. And so I kind of got some eye rolls, kind of got some like, Hmm, I don't know, but dude, I don't know if it was just destiny. Like I was able to get the support of air combat command and they approved the position. And at that moment, Andrew, I knew I was like, I can't let everyone down. I am going to work my ass off. I'm going to work as hard as I can to to do the justice for the general public. This is the coolest fighter jet ever. And I'm going to give it everything I got. So for about two years, I know life that man, like I worked so hard and and just was always working and editing and studying and looking at videos online on how to make better videos and take photos and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it was, it was such an incredible time and a, a ton of work too. Well, it sounds like the, the persistence paid off because idea that commanders like maybe rolled their eyes at, I'm sure it feels great to have this product now. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was definitely an incredible assignment and something I will never forget. And, uh, yeah, to any, to anyone out there listening, you know, as a lieutenant, I really firmly believe like your opportunity, it's just your time to learn, man, explore it. Like you're not going to ruin your career as a lieutenant, especially kind of in the non-rated world. So, um, yeah, man, hundred percent. Yeah. So moving on to your creative work, um, how are you able to scratch your entrepreneurial itch? Because I'm assuming you had one um, while you're in the in the military. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of grads are really good at that. There's a big network I realize, which is really cool. I know you've interviewed several, um, Andrew. So, like, I think the academy has a pretty big stereotype of like and a reputation of like grads are entrepreneurial. Like, it's really yeah. really cool. And so. I don't know if that's just something I kind of always had in the back of my head, but I knew that 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 one day I kind of wanted to have like a side project, something I was kind of doing on my own. So I will say it can be challenging when you're active duty because you don't want to ever be like less of a leader. Or like, you know, I always wanted to be seen as like Air Force first, right? That was always mm-hmm. my priority. When you're active duty, I want 100% of my, you know, time and effort to go to that. But I'm the type of person who like operates like I got like an 150% cap. So I was like, I got 50% like once I get home from work on the weekends where I can kind of build this other stuff up and kind of work on my own. 
And so that's what I did, man. I just really, really grinded. I would literally pull the longest days like working on my Air Force job. And then I pretty much just didn't sleep for two years. Like that's when I would start <laughs> scripting other videos or, or filming vlogs or back in the day I was making how-to videos, why to join the Air Force, that type of stuff that I could just do on my own time. Very similar to how you're doing this podcast. You've got an off period right now. You're not like letting anything slide with your commitments. And um, so for the people that are interested, man, just make sure you're getting your job done, like in the, your work done in the Air Force. Don't give your leadership any reason to doubt you or to tell you that you shouldn't be able to do kind of your side project or anything entrepreneurial. That's the biggest thing. If you can do that, then you're going to be okay for the most part. It's the people who let their work suffer, their leadership mm. suffer because they're worried about something else. That's kind of where problems arise. So I didn't want to ever give someone a reason to think that Sam wasn't, you know, hundred percent into it. Yeah. And oftentimes also I, um, I see a lot of these entrepreneurs that are also active duty. Their entrepreneurial spirit lends them to something. I don't know. It's usually some sort of finance or yeah. consulting. That's or, or that, at least that's um, the kind of area of, of expertise that people I've talked to kind of delve into. But what you're doing directly correlates with the military as well. And um I guess to frame this correctly, because I even just because my I guess calling this some sort of entrepreneurial venture, I've had trouble with people worried that I make money off of it. Yeah. Not that my <laughs> audience is nearly big enough to make any noticeable <laughs> amount of profit. But in your case, where you have a much bigger audience, I'm assuming that that kind of question of money and how you're going to work with this group of people that are, or this wing or squadron, does that ever become a problem or had that been a problem when you're active? Yeah. Duty? So there's, there's kind of two, two types of people. And I definitely struggled with this at times. There's the people who, who recognize what you're doing and the tremendous value you're bringing to the air force and the military and the general public and telling stories, which is always what my goal was first and foremost. It was like, Hey, like, I mean, to answer your question about money, I mean, I lost thousands and thousands of dollars. I would save up my leave to film these videos on my personal time and, and pay videographers to help me film on my own time and money. And all mm -hmm. I wanted to do was make awesome videos. So you have people who recognize that tremendous value. Then you've got people who just for some reason can't get past the fact that you are in the military or whatever. And so they ignore all the positive benefit you're doing and might just hone in on that like, oh, but is he making money? Oh, but is he doing this? wrong and they don't even actually like ask if you, like like all i wanted is for people to reach out to me i'm like here like i have the support of my leadership i've got the legal documents signed from ja who've reviewed this i'm mm -hmm. doing everything right um but for some reason some people will just jump to one side so that was always what was important to me like everything i did i made sure that like i was okay so like dude like there's always going to be people who think you're going to be doing something wrong because if you're doing something different, if you're doing something out of the norm, there's going to be people who are just upset about that. Even if you're doing every single thing right. And so I could have stopped, man. I could have along the way, I could have let those people get to me. I could have let that uh, crusty Lieutenant Colonel one time who came and chewed me out for what I was doing really get to me. <laughs> and you know, would I be here? Would I have really helped inspire? You know, I've got a, a, an album on my phone of over 10,000 messages I've gotten from people and fans, you know, people have watched the videos that are like, Sam, you inspired me to join the military, to come to the academy, stuff like that. I mean, I think the net positive is way higher. So, but of course, just make sure you're doing stuff right. There's, there's, you know, T's you got to cross, I's you got to dot. Um, and I always made sure I was doing that. So um, 
Yeah, man, I guess it all goes back to don't let the haters get to you. I guess uh, that kind of <laughs> is what it goes back to. But I feel you, man. It's it's definitely something you'll um, encounter. And, and that's why it's not easy to do. If it were easy, everyone would be would be doing something. But it's it's hard. And it, you know, um, definitely deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I can appreciate your resourceful resourcefulness and figuring out a way against <laughs> all odds, like all these haters. <laughs> I don't want to call Lieutenant Colonel like, haters because yeah, I'm haters. so good at it. I don't know what the word is, but <laughs> I, I yeah, get your I'm, sentiment though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's resourceful. Yeah. What guided your decision to ultimately separate then? Because yeah. if you were, were you balancing, you know, sure. did you want to go all in on this sort of thing and PA yeah. wasn't doing it for you? Yeah. So no, it wasn't that PA wasn't doing it for me. It, it really boiled down to this. I was at the point where, um, I just promoted to captain and dude, once you're a captain, you know, the expectations, you got to start leading, you know, this is where people are looking at their career trajectory and it's like, Hey, am I applying for these slots that are going to have time commitments? So I, I really needed to make a decision. And like I said, when we first started this podcast, I always want to be the type of person that is known for putting a hundred percent of effort into something. So I was presented with a tough decision. It was either I, you know, be the best PA officer and leader for my airmen and, and go all in for the Air Force. And then my huge passion of making videos is going to lack because I'm just not going to have the time and effort to put 100% into both because I am capped out at some point. Or mm. on the flip side, I'm really excited and dedicated to the videos and I'm making those awesome. But then I'm kind of suffering in the office. You know what I mean? Like my time leading airmen is kind of, you know, it, it's they can kind of see that I'm preoccupied by something else. So I had to make a decision on really how I felt I could best serve the Air Force. And as cliche as that sounds, man, I 100% believe that like the best thing I could do is actually on the outside where mm. I can spend 100% of my time focused on making these videos as epic and incredible as possible and recruiting thousands and thousands of people to come join the military. I mean, we've got a recruiting, you know, we're, we're, we've got a little bit of a crisis going on. I don't know if that's the word people want to use, but, and it's not because of the lack of the way they're doing it. It's just because the mindset of the younger generation, I mean, every service is, is struggling to hit numbers. And I think I had the ability to really help with that. And so me separating was not me saying I'm done with the military. In fact, I'm just right here, the same place I was doing even while I was in, but now I can do it with a hundred percent of my time and effort and not have to worry about meeting kind of all these other objectives. So I'm proud of my time. I would never give it back. I would never change anything. I did five years. I'm super excited about that. And now I'm still kind of serving in a way. It's just a little bit different, um, but I'm able to go at it like a hundred percent, which is awesome. Hey, real quick, hope you're enjoying the episode. If you are, could you do me a favor and follow and leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also follow the show on Instagram at 4.the.zoomies to see clips of upcoming episodes and stay engaged with the community. Thanks for your ongoing support. Mm, it almost seems as though what you're doing is is PA kind of through a, through a different medium, if that could, if we could put it that way. Because you're yeah. still promoting the story of the Air Force and helping recruitment, but in a contracted sense rather than being salary. Yeah, and it's I have an advantage, and I tell this to PA units all the time. It's like when you're Air Force Public Affairs, like you're connecting as like 
the Air Force Academy or Scott Air Force Base or Langley Air Force Base. And it's very hard to reach people on a personal level as opposed to, you know, Sam Ekholm or insert another name here. Like it's just people mm-hmm. feel like they're relating to someone individual that they can know and talk to. And so I have that strategic advantage and I know that. And that's kind of what led me to create my own channels because I realized that I could connect with people way better. And so I can help fill in those gaps that Air Force PA or recruiting kind of can't typically do on their own with the style content I do. I see us, we're all on the same team here and all I want to do is help those people out. And so I'm kind of like the, uh, whatever the, the special forces, you know, I can like go in there and help recruit like gaps and reach people that like the main PA or, or main recruiting can't just based on their channels. And so, um, that's, what's kind of cool with the audiences I've built is like, I'm able to reach specific people in a way that just isn't possible by these other like mediums. Yeah. And not only are you making a probably disproportionate, um, positive effect, for the Air Force, but um, from my understanding, not many people just get to go and see a test run of Sikorsky Raider or <laughs> <laughs> get to test out these windowless Hummers and drive with a uh, like an F thirty five headset on, basically. So, yeah. what is it? What what is it actually like to be <laughs> able to see all this emerging technology before anyone else? You know, it's. It's like I it's like a lot of responsibility, honestly, like if I really think about it, because, you know, a lot of people like, oh, it's so cool. You got to do that. And dude, it is cool. But like when I'm on set filming, like I honestly don't have any time to like appreciate it, really, because we're so focused on on telling the story and and making it so you guys can enjoy it when you're watching it. Like that's the whole point of these videos is like I'm like dirty jobs. Like I'm just there to like post and be the kind of on camera. But it's to show everyone else out there. So, dude, I need to invite you to one of these sets one time. Like when I just filmed with the Coast Guard, like I literally was stranded out in the middle of the ocean for I don't know, man, I think it was. We filmed for three days and we did two days out in the ocean. And so like one one final version made it where I got rescued one time out of the ocean. But like we filmed that five times. I was treading water in the open ocean for like two hours. I mean, it was like grueling. Water survival and came in handy. Dude, I honestly <laughs> thought about that. I was like, water survival came in handy. But there were sharks in these waters, which we do not have in the cadet natatorium. So, um, but so you know what I mean? Like it's very stressful. These are long, long videos. I was like, I need to make a separate channel that's like the behind the scenes of it because sometimes i think that's actually more interesting than the, than the even the finished product but uh it's a lot of responsibility um it is cool though i'm very lucky and fortunate to have the opportunity to do this but like dude it really is just to show show you guys yeah no i was legit just about to bring up maybe you should start like a second channel where it's just like i don't want to call it like a vlog channel but Something where it's like less scripted and it's just like, hey, this is the the nitty gritty. This is what it is. And this is Sam Ekholm enjoying his job. So, no, I, I 100% want to do it. And it's an idea uh, my team and I have. The only issue is like uh, we like I kid you not, dude, these videos take a, like so much of our time. Like I can't imagine having another video to film out while I'm there and like another videographer to bring so if i can just figure out a way to do that and not sacrifice like the main channel content like i do think that would be cool um like even i just i flew with the blue angels which is crazy to say i just i I saw you get knocked out one of those six million people i was one of them (laughs) (laughs) when that happened so of course when i'm passed out like you know i don't know how it looks on camera when we watch the video back i'm like all right i got a tough decision to make here do i post me passing out and be like yeah i'm that guy 
<laughs> or do I not? But I knew if I did, I was like, this clip's going viral. Like it is too funny. It's insane. So I was like, hey, I'm a man of the people. I'm transparent. I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. I totally passed out on that airplane. So dude, yeah, posting that was insane. And uh, yeah, it blew up. But anyway, that's a video where I was like, that would be a good second channel. Just post like the raw uncut, like whole flight. I think that'd yeah. be cool. Um, yeah, man, I've got so many ideas. It's like, there's just not enough time in the day. <laughs> no, that, uh, that kind of reminds me of that. I don't know. I grew up watching Mythbusters. I don't know if you ever yeah, watched it, I'd but it reminds me of Adam Savage throwing up in the Blue Angels when they were like pulling like eight Gs. Yeah. I don't know. This just brings have it you, to mind. Have you had the opportunity to fly in the back of anything yet? Like I know cadets on ops or, yeah. I was in a C-17 ride, but I mean. That was fine for you? Yeah. It's a it different animal when you're flying. And I knew I'd get airsick. Like I, that's something I've, you know, even like flying gliders as a cadet in Iraq, I'm like, all right, here we go. And then, uh, you know, I got to find a T-38 and I was like, Ugh. but yeah. like, dude, you can't say no to the Blue Angels. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I got to suck this one up. But uh, actually did better than I thought. Like I was feeling OK for most of it. But um, the maneuver I passed out on, it was the seven and a half G like I forget what it's called, vertical pitch to diamond roll or something. And you really have to be on your your G strain, your your hick maneuver. And I was, I had practiced that for like weeks before I told my <laughs> pilot friends, I'm like, am I doing this right? And I was doing it pretty well. But the second you let up, man, like, I think I thought the maneuver was over because we were like vertical. And normally when you're vertical, you're like not pulling G's, but mm. I guess we were still kind of pulling it. Um, dude, the second I let up, it's just like, I was gone, which is so crazy because I'm like dying back there and the pilots just having a normal conversation. Like it's any other day. And I just have so much respect for them and for anyone watching who's going to become a pilot and be able to do that with ease. So it yeah, was crazy. No, crazy. Um, I think I told myself, I'm like, I'm going a long while until I fly in another fighter jet, but I've had another opportunity come up and I'm like, here we go again. So there'll probably be more videos of me passing out. So uh, yeah, definitely follow the, uh, the Instagram. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember when I did soaring, uh, my rising three dig summer, I I've never liked, um, roller coasters ever. I've yeah. only been on one. It was the Yankee cannonball at Canopy <laughs> Lake park. Um, <laughs> So this was like the closest thing I had done the acrobatic flight during yeah. soaring to uh, like anything where G's were involved. And I just remember like pulling four G's falling out of the sky. And I actually thought I was going to throw up. So yeah. I couldn't imagine seven. <laughs> I probably yeah. sound like such a wimp right now. No, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> seven in like air force, like F 16s, F 22s, like they pull like nine G's, which is crazy. The difference though is cause a lot of people are like commenting this. So, um, like in the air force, you're always wearing a G suit, right? Mm -hmm. So a G suit gives you about two G's of tolerance, meaning nine G's really feels like seven or like, you, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's a little yeah. bit more technical than that, but, and then also in the air force, you're wearing an oxygen mask. So, um, it can kind of help you make you feel a little bit better because you can like switch it to hundred percent oxygen and then kind of feel better. But the blue angels, cause it's a center stick. Um, I actually posted this on Instagram. They don't fly with G suits. So seven and a half G's is really feeling like nine and a half G's to me, you know? So it is a killer, man. And not only that, there's no oxygen mass either. So I'm just like, Oh, you know, trying to breathe it in. But, um, yeah, dude, I, 
It's something I battle every video, even the Coast Guard, you know, getting seasick out there on the rough waves, you know, yeah. flying in a C-130. We're doing low-level canyon rolls and then also try filming that too. Try yeah, manning no, that's cameras. Easy. Try looking around and making sure GoPros are turned on and my camera guy's in the back and my mic and I'm hitting my lines and the audio recording's plugged in and that the lighting's good and that everything is going according to plan. It's like, dude, I, I need to... I need to release my own like custom line of, of puke bags. Cause I think those would sell out pretty quick, but yeah, yeah. No, I got to make sure that my sponsors don't hear that about the G suit thing because, uh, my sponsor dad was a Navy nuke and his son is like an NROTC guy at Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah. And we always go back and forth about like who's better pilots and that sort of thing. But that's, that's, that's one funny. thing that the Navy definitely has on us. Yeah. Just the blue angles. <laughs> so the rest of the guys wear G suits typically, but yeah, even the Thunderbirds wear G suits. It's just, um, cause they okay. fly so close, man. It's like, I think they're scared that, you know, the G suit could inflate cause that's what happens when you pull G's and that it could like bump the stick. And when you're 18 inches apart from mm. wingtip to wingtip, dude, the slightest movement of the center stick, you could like crash into the other one. So yeah. that is something I always get asked like, who's better? Thunderbirds or blue angels? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you can watch your show, but technically speaking, the blue angels are flying a little bit more like, you know, G worthy. But yeah. then again, the F-16 can pull more G, whatever. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love Navies. them both. Sink Sink Navy. Navy. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> On to your back to your um your creation of content. Um, how do you maintain creative freedom in your work while still effectively advertising a product of a company or a military unit? Because I'm sure that they want it to be portrayed in a certain way. Yeah, it's definitely a, a hard balance I have to have because unlike your typical YouTuber, like some YouTubers just, you know, they can film whatever they want. It's their entire channel. But obviously the videos I make, it's, you know, out with a unit or on a product or, you know, I, I have the support of these military units and that's how I'm able to do what I do. And so I want to mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, everything I produce makes, you know, the Air Force in the best light or the military, the Navy, whoever I'm working with. Um, but along the same lines, man, it's like the video needs to be true to like what I want to do. That is why I've been successful. The second the video turns into, you know, like a typical Air Force or whatever kind of corporate piece, like then it's like, what am I even doing? So yeah, uh, I kind of make sure the units understand that. And, and most of the time, if I'm like working with military units, dude, they get that. They want me to do my thing. That's why they invited me out there. So you know, of course, though, like there's a lot of security regulations and checks and a ton of eyes on my videos before, you know, the one you guys see on YouTube, it's gone through like several rounds of revisions and clips probably cut that can't be seen, that sort of thing. But really, man, I just I try to like luckily now I've got a team of editors and videographers who who we sit down for every video and we make sure that what we're scripting or what we're shot list planning and and what we edit and produce like flows with the typical you know, Sam video and like just is something fun to watch and doesn't seem super like, you know, I don't know, just not exciting. So you'll have to let me know if, uh, if we're doing an okay job, but it's definitely a challenge and we try to kind of like make sure it's good. It's, it's hard being in this space of, of, you know, corporate bureaucracy, military, like super classified security, and then also trying to like run a video series production company, YouTube channel at the same time. So yeah, man. Yeah. No, I, uh, uh, first off, I'll answer your question. You are doing a great job. And <laughs> one, and one check that I have on that is I, since I went to Hickam, like we were saying, and I saw the F-22 squadron and you went to the same yeah, F-22 squadron, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so when we went out to the flight line and actually saw these things, um, they had a whole bunch of rules and, <laughs> 
they had a whole bunch of rules like you can't touch it you'll get cancer from touching the paint a whole bunch of stuff like that and like something specific to you is that um they told us that we can't take any pictures of within 20 feet of the plane so i don't know how difficult it must have been that like i don't know you're trying to get close-ups of the plane to look cool for shots but you can't even do that so yeah so the rules that that you got to work around Exactly. And I knew that coming in because of my time with the demo team. Um, what I'll say to that is uh, zoom lenses, telephoto lenses are a <laughs> big thing we have at our camera bag because I can stand 20 feet out all you want, but you can zoom in and it makes it look close. But yeah, yeah. Man, we're always having to abide by the rules. And that's something we you know, seriously, like we care so much about that because the second we violate one of that, it's like, dude, then we're, we're done. Like we won't get asked. So like that's at the forefront of my priority. And like every video I do, I make sure we have a security rep like on scene with us because I don't even want to shoot anything that we can't use. Um, So yeah, it is challenging, but I think that's kind of what makes my team unique is that we have experience doing this now for multiple years that like, you know, we've kind of built up a reputation of like being trustworthy and like we know we have experience out there on like the flight line. It's not like we're just some randos who don't know what's going on. So yeah. Yeah. No, I feel kind of similar pressures, not probably to the same extent, but since I discuss career fields and jobs and that sort of thing, people often, you know, tell war stories that they can talk about in class where there's no recording or anything like that, but something that might get into the hands of who knows who. Um, Sometimes that requires me to go back and edit some stories that are told that are awesome in the moment, but unfortunately couldn't be shared. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I always just do the best I can. And, you know, you can't be perfect 100% of the time. But I think having the best intentions, I mean, so far as, you know, and we've learned along the way too. Yeah. Like we know certain things that it's just not worth it to chance it. Like, <laughs> it, it, like I remember there's like the coolest shot I wanted of when I was doing the AC 130 video. And like, I was like, dude, the audience doesn't know. They don't know if I include this shot or not. They they have no, it's just my yeah. own like head. I was like, oh, I need this. So I just kind of <laughs> learned to let that go. Um, but man, it was a cool shot. <laughs> hey, that's, that's for you to enjoy. That's for you to enjoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so can you talk about, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, um, you recently launched, launched program, the Air Force Academy Blueprint, yeah. um, catered to cadets that are trying to enter the academy. So can you give yeah. a little rundown of it? A hundred percent. So anyone out there interested in the Air Force Academy, and of course, if you're a current cadet, you might, you know, you've made it, um, but friends, family, whatever, um, academyblueprint.com, you can go to find out all the information. Talked about it a little bit earlier, but this was something I always wanted to do because I remember when I was in high school, like a lot of us, right, man, it's like I had so many questions about the Academy and I was completely overwhelmed. And to find all that information, it's like like a needle in a haystack. You got to put all these pieces of the puzzle together. And luckily, I did have my dad who went to the academy, right? I had someone who graduated a year before me who went and they could kind of help me out. But even then, man, it's like there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it so bad that I wanted to make sure I was doing everything right. And there's a lot of kids out there who don't have that. So um, with the audience I've built and a lot of people who come to me asking questions, this was my way to create a product, to create a resource out there, which what I call really does level the playing field. Because before, the way the academy kind of admissions sometimes works is like, you know, you have certain people who have military background, who know about the academy, who maybe have certain help, who can afford expensive SAT prep and tutors and other companies that do service academy stuff. I mean, of course it's not required, but it's definitely a big leg up. And so this was a way for me to really put something out there 
that is easily accessible, that is taught by a recent grad, you know, like I graduated just a couple of years ago now yeah. and it's like, um, and so yeah, man, credibility. I, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, I went all out on this man, two years. I mean, everything from our, our website to the research, to the to free downloadable PDFs and guides and checklists. But, uh, yeah, man. So the air force Academy blueprint, it gives you access to over 60 video lessons where I break down everything you need to know about the air force Academy and like why to apply as well as like how admissions works, what they're looking for. I walk you through the actual application, every single step of the candidate kit and the portal, fitness tests, nominations, explain everything from interviews with congressional staffers to what they're looking for, to once you actually make it to basic cadet training, starting with I-Day, how to survive BCT, tips and tricks for surviving duly year, what the milestones of the cadet life look like, and then even once you're on active duty, what you can expect. Um, and it's easy to digest. People can take it anytime they want. Uh, you get access to it for life, so you can come back no matter how old you are, um, mm. that sort of thing. It's really the proudest thing I like I'm so proud of it and 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 what we put out and like how incredible of a resource it is. So um yeah man thanks for asking. It's called the Air Force Academy Blueprint. You can can go check it out at academyblueprint.com. Um and the really cool thing about it too man is if uh, if you enroll you get access to a private Discord community with all the other applicants who've enrolled in it um which is awesome. So we have like different events like I'll hop on do some Q&A. We have different success stories where people are sharing their advice and it's something we can control because there's kind of these other forums out there that a lot of bad information gets shared and this is more yeah. just like a fun place to hang out and like just communicate with other like-minded individuals. So um yeah man it's out officially launched last month and uh, we're going strong and hopefully it can continue on for many years to come. Yeah. Well, congratulate, congratulations and thank you for uh, putting something out there that I don't want to say levels the playing field of like an equality sense because I mean, yeah. the application is still the application, Yes, but I think if I would have had some sort of resource that um, I won't even talk about myself, I think there's plenty <laughs> of kids out there that are freaking capable they yeah. they'd probably do great here, but because they just, I don't know if they didn't play the game of the, the admissions board or yeah, they, they just get, didn't know what they were looking for. Dude, the thing, if you look at the numbers, it's like, you know, 13,000 ish people like apply to the Academy every year, but that number includes people who really just sign up for the pre-candidate questionnaire. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they don't actually ever complete the candidate kit. Yeah. And so the numbers of people, once you actually complete the application, the acceptance rate, if you hit submit on the application and are qualified, is more closer to like 50% of actually getting accepted. It's just so many people get weeded out because of the daunting application and how long it is. So my goal mm. is just to increase those numbers of people making it through. And so what this program helps you with is not only, you know, figuring out if the academy is right for you, but it gives you everything you need to make it through the application. Now, the work is, of course, on you to implement the game plan and, and yeah. study hard and do the extracurriculars and everything like that. But at least you're not going to have the questions of like, oh, how do I get a nomination? Okay, how does this one segment of this work? What is the essay? Like, what are my interviews going to look like? How do I reach out to my ALO? What Like all that we cover and more. And so in a nutshell, man, it's like you will feel comfortable. You won't feel overwhelmed with everything going on. There's still a lot you got to do, but all the answers are kind of in one place. I wanted to consolidate everything and kind of put it in one place. Yeah. And it couldn't come at better timing. I remember I... I made soups lists uh, my freshman year spring semester. And so then following semester, I went to the soups dinner and I was discussing with General Moga, the commandant at the time, uh, these admissions crisis of you yeah. know, not having enough 
really strong candidates applying. And I mean, he attributed it to, you know, people not just not feeling as patriotic. They think the nine 11 boom has kind of settled down and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I remember, um, you actually coming here last year when I was getting ready, I'm getting ready like in an hour, I have intramural volleyball, but exactly the same thing about a year ago, you came and you were filming and we were down playing volleyball. I came over and say, what's up. And, um, and then I say you at the 23 year departing thing and you're like, Hey, I'm out. You remember that? (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and it's working on it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy (laughs) to see that this is the product that came out of it. You know, you you were grinding away. Oh, dude. um, While no one was watching. So we we can really appreciate the work you've done. Yeah. And, and two, of, of course, there's a lot of free resources as well. So, you know, I have several videos on the Academy on my channel. I, I put out a, a complete tour of the Air Force Academy video. I don't know if you checked that one out, but mm-hmm. um, there really wasn't something out there that, that that really showcased the incredible campus and all the, the amazing things you can do as a cadet. Um, uh, so I, I enjoyed coming out here to really walk through the campus and just have that product out there as well. So there's a lot yeah. of information out there. And then what this blueprint is, is, is a way if you're really serious and you want, you know, kind of want to take the next step and, and really, you know, what I say, increase your chances of getting accepted because it really does do that. Of course, I can't guarantee your acceptance. The work's got to be on you, but yeah. you know, after you complete this course, you definitely will know what you need to do and, 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 you know, have to get done. So, um, yeah, man, been a long process, multiple visits to the Academy for it. I appreciate the support from from the AOG, USAFA PA and helping make it happen. Um, and yeah, man, feels good to be out. Yeah. Um, so to, to round out this episode, what would be some advice that you would give to any cadet that's looking to kind of pursue a similar path? Yeah. So um, if you're talking kind of similar path, because I think obviously what I'm doing is pretty unique in terms of video and whatever. So kind of to broaden it a little bit, because you brought up the entrepreneurial stuff. um, I'll kind of go back to what I said earlier. Like all of this really only happens if you make sure you're taking care of your main like job first. So everyone that's a cadet, you're going to have to serve in the Air Force five years minimum. A lot of the pilots, you know, they'll do 10, 12 years, whatever. It's okay to have side projects and passions and things you're interested in. I mean, some people's hobbies, you know, are doing triathlons and going hiking. Okay. Mine just happened to me making videos. It's no different. Like it's the same thing. It's just a hobby of mine and that's okay. Um, the other thing I'll say is that like the air force encourages people to like tell their stories. Like if you go to the homepage of the air force website, it says airmen are encouraged to tell their stories to, you know, and post about their experiences in hopes of inspiring other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be saying, I would say like, don't be scared to share your story and to, to, to put some, some stuff out there to help help other people, even the bad stuff too, man. I like to share. It's not all great. Like you can share honesty and what's going on, but take care of your job first, make sure you have the support of your leadership. And then, um, you know, slowly kind of introduce these other things you got going on and just know if, like I said earlier, man, if you, if you're doing something different out of the ordinary, there's going to be some people that are, you know, maybe be upset with you or kind of look at you different and, and you need to be okay with that. You're never fully going to get rid of those people. That's something I had to accept early on. But like I said, man, if I listened to that, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So I'm glad I kind of put my head down, made sure I was following all the rules and regulations and, you know, kept grinding through it. Mm-hmm. Well, Sam, I really appreciate your time and um, everything that you do for the Air Force and the country. Um, it doesn't go without saying thanks. So thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And best of luck to you and everything you do in your cadet career and beyond. And everyone watching all the cadets, uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. We're all thinking of you. And uh, it's a grind <laughs> for sure. But I mean, 
seriously, you've heard it a million times. It only gets better after you graduate and, and, and looking back and the friendships you guys have had. And um, it really is a special place, but uh, you probably won't realize that until after you graduate. So <laughs> hit me up then and then uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> gotcha. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Thanks.